0: Ink and Quill, illuminates on literature, culture and beyond. That's cool, isn't it? Listen to the sound of some incredible readings. The Great Wall story is the story of the relationship.
1: The imagery in China is so strong. It's
0: a book about the human story. Ink and Quill, something provoking. We have to think like a queen. Something thoughtful. History's fantasy, really. Something fun. See some naughty people trying to steal panda cubs. All here on Ink and Quill.
1: Discovering literature and following stories behind your favorite authors. This is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Zhang Wan. At the mention of holidays related to the deceased, most of people will think of Halloween or the Day of the Dead. But many of you probably didn't know about the Ghost Festival in China. Widely known as Zhongyuan Festival by Han Chinese or Yulanpen Festival by Buddhists, This thousand-year-old celebration is held on every 15th day of the seventh lunar month. Ancient Chinese people believe that the seventh month on the lunar calendar marks the Ghost Month, when the door to the realm of the dead would open while spirits would roam in the world of the living. In the midst of the perilous month, ghosts would be in high gear, so offering must be prepared. This year's Ghost Festival falls on August the 17th, high time to feel the chill. In order to keep up with the ghoulish spirit of the season, in today's program, we will introduce you to some spine-tingling tales that may keep you awake at night. So don't go away, Spooks will visit pretty soon.
2: Adapted from phenomenal online fictions, Ghost Blows Out, the nine-story Demon Tower, is award-winning director Lu Chuan's first adventure thriller. Featuring a group of explorers searching for unknown culture, this special effect-loaded film is severely mauled for its poor plot, but wins not for its mystique and ferocious creatures being shown, which may remind you of wargs and fire drakes from The Lord of the Rings. But few people know that the ideas of those beasts come from the ancient Chinese scripture classic of mountains and seas, widely known as Shanghai Jing, the book of monsters in the eyes of many. However, Dr. Huang Yue, a researcher in mythology at Beijing Language and Culture University, voices
3: her retort. Shanghai Jing is a strange book. However, since it's named as one of the classics, it proves that ancient Chinese treat it quite seriously. Accordingly, when Emperor Wu of Han Dynasty ruled during the 2nd century BC, someone offered him an eccentric bird. No one could recognize it except for the royal consultant Dongfang Shu, who claimed to find the answer from this book. In ancient times, people believed that if you want to become erudite, you could learn a lot from Shanghai hai
2: Although the authorship and the date of writing remain undetermined, this classic is generally believed to be more than 2,000 years old. The surviving script contains 18 chapters, compiling massive information on strange realms, vast wilderness and their inhabitants. Unlike medieval bestiary in Europe, Classic of Mountains and Seas is more like a geographical gazetteer of primitive China, as it exhaustively introduces over 500 mountains and 300 rivers with an ethnographic account. According to Gu Jun, professor of sociology at Shanghai University, no matter accurate or not, the book was regarded as an authentic record of geography in ancient times, since it provides a fully fledged panorama of a mysterious land.
4: If the author lived to this day, he probably would argue about intellectual property issue with Google Map. It seems that the writer knew every nook and cranny of China.
2: Flipping through pages, readers will be drawn into a world that is equally complicated and wondrous as Narnia or Middle-earth. Embarking on this fascinating and intriguing journey, you will encounter some of the most offbeat flora and fauna, such as tigers with human faces, nine-tailed foxes, people with a hole in their chests, and ephemeral herbs. One of the most striking stories is about how goddess Xi He, mother of the sun, Gives birth of her ten children in the sea, and then hangs them dry on the tree.
4: Here is Gu Jun again. Whoever reads the story will fathom the image of sun rising over the ocean. Why not bathing in the mountains? Because the sky already gets bright when the sun rises over the mountain. But by the sea, you will witness how the morning glow changes pink the water first, and then the sun comes out. In the book, this transformation from Dr. Bright is described as a mother bathing her sons. That's why we should read myth. I have to wonder if we are still equipped with such rich imagination like our ancestors
2: but please be aware that classic of mountains and seas is not merely a romantic catalog of supernatural beings but most likely a magnifier of Chinese earliest world outlook Gujun elaborates <laughs>
4: The book's significance lies with its demonstration of the mental structure of Chinese people. It's invisible, but you could find traces of many practices in later ages. For example, why did the goddess Nuwa create two kinds of human? According to Christian doctrine, God created Adam and Eve and all their offsprings as equal. But Nuwa created humankind in two different ways, which may affect our political system to a certain degree. That's why we separated people into gentlemen and flunky, those living by mental perplexity and those living by labor.
2: Though for today's readers, some parts of classic of Mountains and Seas appear to be overly obscure, researcher Huang Yue says it is still a book worth reading.
3: Why is mythology so important? Why did every dynasty have their own interpretation of it? Because it always tries to answer some of the most fundamental questions, such as where do we come from, where should we go, and how to figure out our relation with the world. So please be prepared to get lost into this whimsical
2: world, since myth is always more potent than history and displays a sort
1: of enormous rainbow of every possible color you could
2: imagine. That
1: was Xiang Wei introducing us to Classic of Mountains and Seas, an ancient Chinese compilation of mythic geography and fairy tales. Well, if this 2,000-year-old book is way too archaic and opaque for your taste, no worries. Coming up, we will take you to a supernatural world where phantoms marry mortals, talking fox steals your drink, and a Taoist priest can be a true lifesaver. So stick around.
0: Bestseller, smash hit, page turner. Ink and Quill delves into the very heart of the works that make us laugh, cry, and sigh.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Ink and Quill with Zhang Wan. In 1987, a horror film named A Chinese Ghost Story, when known as Tian Yu Yu Hun in Chinese, hit Hong Kong theaters and soon became a box office smash. Set in ancient times, this supernatural flick features a romantic yet sentimental affair between an alluring female ghost and a dull-eyed, hapless tax collector. For Western audiences, this fantasy extravaganza feels like Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, classic Hammer films, and the Chinese martial art, all wrapped into one. Yet for Wang Yuebo, a crosstalk performer who has a knack for retelling Chinese classics, the film is no match for its prototype a short story written by pu songling the chinese equivalent of the brother's
4: claim他的情节跟咱们这个辽宅之意里的情节是好 The film is pretty good, but compared with its source of inspiration, Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio, the plot has already changed a lot. The film lacks a cautionary tune for sure. Among the other 400 tales written by Pu Songling, nearly every piece alludes to reality.
1: But before we delve deep into the ghostly world created by Pu Songling, let's stop for a moment. By recounting the life of this talented novelist first, since its origin is as grotesque as its works. Ma Fang, a scholar in ancient Chinese literature from Shandong University, elaborates.
3: The it was 1640 when Chongzhen, the last emperor of the Ming Dynasty, had ruled for 13 years. During the night of April sixteenth on the lunar calendar, Pu Tan, a merchant from Zichuan of Shandong province, had a strange dream. He saw a skinny, sickly monk entering his wife's bedroom. On the naked chest of the monk, there was a sticking plaster as big as the corn. Then Pu Pan woke up and heard the wailing of a baby. The third son of his was just born. When he held the newborn under the moonlight, the father was surprised to find that his son has the mole on his chest, which shares the same position and shape with the plaster of the monk. This story was made up by Pu Songling at the age of 40. Undoubtedly, he was not the reincarnation of an ailing, suffering monk, but we have to admit that the writer did have a bitter life. Born into a downfallen landlord family, Pu's only
1: hope to climb the social ladder was to attend the imperial examination and join the state bureaucracy. At the age of 19, he managed to become a xiucai, an entry-level licentiate. Since then, this young intellectual ran out of his luck at the examination hall. Despite Pu Songling's multiple attempts to pass the test, this aspiring man ended up becoming a private tutor, a profession with low social standing around that time. The setback in Korea, financial frustration and disappointment of private life drove Po to a road that deviates from the social norm of the 17th century. Instead of cramming up his brain with frosty ancient principles to get a better grade, this curious soul spent a great deal of time in collecting myths, folklores, and legends, which was commonly regarded as trivial. Here is Professor Marie Fang again.
3: He had a good friend named Zhang Duqing, who is also an exam candidate. When he noticed Pu Songling's hobby, he even wrote poetry to advise Pu to focus on some more important matters. But Pu never listened. Whenever he heard about some anecdotes, he would write them down as subjects for his novel. He also took a fancy for ancient scriptures and journals. In his representative collection, Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio, over 100 stories were adapted from previous works. Original
1: or not, Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio, or better known as Liaojai Zhiyyi, or Liaojai in Chinese, is surely an eerie and fantastic masterpiece. Resembling Lafcadio Hearn's famous Japanese ghost stories collection Kawaiidan, Liaojai has introduced countless readers to all kinds of supernatural beings, such as war tigers, succubuses, and unnaturally cunning fog spirits. Among over 490 short stories that were compiled by Pu, the painted skin is probably the most gruesome one. Here is a condensed and parody edition of this peculiar tale.
5: Long time ago, there was a man surnamed Wang. One morning, he spotted a pretty girl roaming in the street. The young thing claimed that she was sold by her parents as a concubine to a rich family and was mistreated by the wife. So. She fled and had nowhere to go. A good Samaritan he was, Wang took the runaway in and slept with her, against all the warnings from his wife. Days later, he encountered a Taoist priest who claims Wang was bewitched. He ignored the warning. He went back home and found out there was a macabre demon in his studio. Green face and jagged teeth. The demon was applying makeup to spread a human skin. The Hulk-like devil then threw aside the brush and, giving the skin a shakeout just as he would a coat, threw it over its shoulders and, wow, became the girl. Terrified by the sight, Wang went to a priest for help to drive her away but got his own heart ripped out by the irritated devil. The priest exorcised the demon who disguised herself as an old woman. Then he was stopped by Wang's grieving wife who begged him to bring her back her husband. Touched by her plea, he suggested her to go to a maniac. The madman humiliated the wife and forced her to swallow his phlegm. Overwhelmed by rage and grief, she ran back home and cried over her dead husband's heartless body. Suddenly, she felt a lump in her throat and spat it out, which turned out to be a throbbing heart.
1: Well, doesn't sound that scary, does it? According to Wang Yuebo, a die-hard fan for Pu Songling's writing, there are certain moral cautionary elements in the story of painted skin.
4: In his commentary of this story, Mr. Pu wrote how foolish men are to see nothing but beauty in what is clearly evil, When men have fallen prey to lust, how absurd it is to let their wives to bear the consequence. In that regard, Pu Songling concluded his story from a feminine perspective. He was a pro-feminist to a certain extent.
1: Female plays an important role in Pu Ling's collection, since love stories are pervasive in the realm of 491 stories. Flipping through the pages, we witness how a man falls in love with a fair maiden painted on the wall experience heartbroken love triangle between a shape-shifting fox, a scholar, and a ghost girl, while well guest touched by the entanglement of a man and an errant ghost. Zhang Shaogang is the author of the essay collection No Story Talk, a book inspired by Pu Sung-ling's novel. According to him, most of Pu's female protagonists are strong and independent women in their own rights whose nobility always belittle their human lovers' worldly
0: pettiness.
1: In terms of male-female relations in Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio, women are always the active ones, they have the initiative, and we decide whether they will stay or leave the relationships. But Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio is not all about romance with a quirky setting. Behind all those alluring and intricate prodigies that involved strange creators and inexplicable phenomena, the author tried to sway us with the ugliness of reality, such as how honest and free spirits are shackled by the unfair and rigid examination, how the corrupted and skewed government enslaves common folks. Pu's cynic attitude is evident in one of his stories, The Land of Luo Cha and the Sea Market which features the quaint adventure of a young man. Researcher Ma Fang recounts this unusual
3: tale. Failed in imperial examination, the main character Ma Chi started his business. One day, he made a voyage by sea to a country named the Land of Lo Cha by the typhoon. The word Luo Cha means devil in in Sanskrit, so you can imagine how hideous the citizens of this country are. But everyone on the street ran away in fear when they spot Ma, despite him being a youth of surpassing beauty. Soon, Ma realized that in Luo Cha, everything depended not on literary talent but on looks. People treated ugliness as beauty, and the most beautiful were made ministers of state. In that case, Ma was regarded as the ugliest man. Until one day, he accidentally applied some coal slacks to his face and made himself look extremely horrid. But locals were so pleased with his new look and soon recommended Ma Ji to the king. So in this story, Pu Songling tried to deliver a simple but powerful message. People have to disguise themselves to survive in the society. If you present your true self to others, people will be scared. I think that's probably the reason why French sinologist Claude Rouard once said, strange tales from a Chinese studio is the most beautiful allegory in the world. But Pu Songling didn't
1: witness his growing fame. This brilliant yet frustrated worth miss toiled his whole life in obscurity. Spending decades in writing strange tales from a Chinese studio, the novelist bitterly noted it as his book of loneliness and resentment. Although his delicately crafted stories had been circulated around for quite a long time, it was 1740, 25 years after Pu's death, his masterpiece was finally codified and published by his grandson. 300 years later, strange tales from a Chinese studio, or widely known as Zhai, still remains a household name. Served as a prism that reflects the social and political climate of China in the 18th century, Zhai not only caused a tremendous impact on Chinese literature in later times, but also inspires numerous spin-off movies, cartoons, plays, and TV shows. But how does a ghost stories collection stand the test of time? Professor Ma Fang provides her answer. Pu Songling, he using神,
3: using鬼, using Pu Songling used deities, ghosts, and folk spirits to depict the human condition. At first glance, those stories might be quite fanciful. But if you think further, they actually reflect our mundane life. Those supernatural creatures are purely metaphors. I think that's the reason why people enjoy Strange Tales from a Chinese studio so much. The book combines fantasy, fairy tale, fable, and legend together. It's the pinnacle of ancient Chinese novels. With that, we end today's special edition of Ink and Quill on
1: Ghost Stories and Fairy Tales. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world. To learn more about us, you're always welcome to follow our Facebook account, China Plus. Here is the theme song from the movie A Chinese Ghost Story, Life Path, presented by the late Hong Kong pop icon Leslie Chang. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Zhang Wan. Goodbye.
0: (laughs) 我僕命孤<音樂> Ja Snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe.